Evening folks, this is a credible landmark episode 80, but unfortunately we couldn't actually get anybody decent on, so we've got the three musketeers, uh, the, the Milani brothers, Paul and Michael, and uh, David Davis-Stewart, on to talk about all things football related this week. So how you doing, lads? Yeah, that's good. Me and Michael come with a package deal, so... Buy one, get one free. Yeah. Not sure what you're still, still not great, are you? <laughs> I'm here as well. You're obviously <laughs> here, I know, but that's that's just assumed. I don't know if um have any of you been on this before, is this the first time? Um, this is my I think third once successfully aired. Once recorded for an hour and a half about the NFL. Lost forever. <laughs> Once lost forever, yeah. That was, I think you were on holiday that week, Sam. Ah, that wouldn't have been me. Yeah. Oh, no, it was definitely me. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> lost the best tape. That sounds incredible. Probably for the best, to be honest as well. There might have been good content. Just talk about the NFL for maybe months. There might have been some good content in there. Um, but no, so let's uh, get cracking. First, I thought I'd. Um, set you a bit of a question that you can answer throughout the episode Scotland football themed um, a bit of a, a copy from another popular radio show but we won't go into the details so basically Scotland last played Serbia in a World Cup qualifier on the 26th of March 2013 and I'm looking for you to name the starting lineup that day. Uh, and I oh, guess, I guess <laughs> if you get the subs, then you're getting bonus points. We could call them, but you're not really getting anything. Could you just want us to throw out names at, at any at any point? Yeah, whilst we're going through it, just interrupt people. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking about something. Interrupt your names. Uh, but yeah, so we'll just start discussing Scotland in general. Uh, a huge result against Israel. Um, a, a nervy night, though. What were your general thoughts? I thought it was a poor game, but to be expected in this situation. It was. I thought it was quite a strange one, just because... Although it was obviously... It, you were nervous, but the game itself didn't really make me feel particularly nervous. Just in the sense that nothing actually really happened for... 90 minutes and then again for the half hour of uh, extra time. I think you always, after maybe the sort of first half, I think you just felt it was going to go all the way to penalties. So you were almost kind of waiting for that to happen. But... Yeah, it was tense. I suppose it's the sort of game you get when you've got two teams who aren't used to being in a knockout situation who have to play a crucial game like that. Um, I suppose if McTominay scored the header in the first half, it might have been a lot more comfortable. And apart from that, you were just holding on. Um, but yeah, I don't think anyone expected a great performance. But if it wasn't for the occasion, I would have said it was one of the worst Scotland games <laughs> I've ever seen. It's definitely fair. But you can forget about it because it was a, a playoffs. Yeah, happy, happy that we now appear to be properly hard to beat at times. Mm. And we don't concede goals like we'd have just lost those games before. One now concerned that although he'll maintain his three, the back is. At least against Azure, it was definitely five at the back with two sitting midfielders in front of it. It was overtly negative, yeah. but it also worked. So 
I don't, I don't really care if we get to a tournament, how we get there. Yeah, yeah, I think you can see the difference between how Israel used their wing-backs and how we, well, if you call ours wing-backs, <laughs> call ours full-backs and call theirs, because theirs were getting forward quite often. Um, ours don't look comfortable. But yeah, you just got to hope that every game they play in the same system and that they play together just gives them a bit more confidence because as it stands, we're, we're not amazing, but as you say, David, we're, we're hard to beat. David, <laughs> <laughs> I think that was always at least potentially going to be the case with Steve Clark. Was you were looking I mean he was a pretty unanimous choice for the appointment, but I think everyone you'd expect him to be a sort of manager who'd make a team hard to beat, like like he did with Kilmarnock. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean we won't be good to watch, but it's it's one of those things, it's irrelevant how good we are to watch if we get results, but in the short term, you're looking at a performance like the game against Israel. That in itself is fine if you're able to, you know, you just get the result on the night. But you can't help but look ahead and think, with a month to go before we play against, against Serbia, is that sort of performance going to be enough? Or we have to do a lot better. I suppose that's where the worry comes from. You don't have in international football. You don't you don't really get a lot of second chances. So it's. The games take on a lot of importance, so it's it's hard. Yeah, that was um, was the first the first time that Scotland have not had a single shot on target at home uh, since the game against Belgium in September twenty thirteen, which doesn't really seem that that long ago, to be honest. But it just I guess kind of highlights how how sort of defensively set up we were and didn't really have anything to offer going forward I mean the, the, the five I was just going to say that it's been mentioned that the three at the back does definitely become a five at the back for Scotland uh, and you can imagine that playing in front of a, a packed Hamden there might have been a few frustrated voices during that that game um, so that possibly helped you know we, we do sometimes I think put the team under a, a wee bit of pressure and rightly so but in that case I think yeah poor game and even the, the first penalty was it McGinn that took our first penalty uh-huh. it was a a bit of a nervy one but the rest of them stepped up yeah really good penalties from the rest of them it was some stat that what did it say two out of the five only two out of the five had ever taken a penalty in, in any format in any record, yeah. I mean, yeah. Shankland. That's that's unbelievable. And Shankland doesn't even take most of the penalties for United because it's Nicky Clark a lot of the time. So it's it's mad. Um, and I suppose that again, it just shows you that the, the players, a lot of the players, maybe aren't used to that sort of situation at all. So hopefully that helps them quite a bit. Um, just coming back, we could for Scotland overall. Again, you wedge a lot in there. It works hard. Um, my main concern is that Clark does still seem to think that all of Barney is the next forward up. If Dyke somehow wasn't fit for Serbia, we would start all of Barney. I guess the thing with that is it's a type. I mean, they didn't work at all playing together. I don't. I've still to see Barney play well for Scotland, although he did look good holding the ball in the corner. I could get used to that. <laughs> if, if, yeah. if we can get a goal up, I like the thing about Dyke is just. He's just that big. Sort of, you would hate to play against him, and we've had so few players like that up front. 
for Scotland over the over the years. Like you've just looked at other teams. Often looking at Ireland, um, yeah. I think Dykes. I think Dykes is, is a potentially really good player. He's clever. He's he's not he's knocked downs. Um, are really good. But you look at players like uh, like John Walters for Ireland or Kyle Lafferty for Northern Ireland, and they get really good record playing playing for the country. They're not great players, but just making life really difficult for defenders, turning up when it matters. And we've not had a striker like that in probably our whole time watching Scotland. It's similar to when obviously played Russia a year or two ago, and Juba just absolutely yeah. ran the show. That's kind of what you want, I guess, mm-hmm. with yeah. Dykes now for us. Yeah, it's exactly. probably much better with like Fraser buzzing around in like a sort of free role as opposed to having like an actual second striker. Yeah, and Dykes Dykes has had a, a positive start. I think that's that's one of the the big things to come out of these games. I mean, going into them, it was Armstrong, Tierney, and uh, Christie yeah. all ruled out uh, with you know due to COVID nineteen guidelines. So that. I think that made us a wee bit nervous initially, but you, you see when you've got these guys, a lot of the guys in the team don't really seem to be playing to their club level. Um, so was it as big a, a blow really as people thought it, it could be? Possibly not. You know that you're, If you're looking at these guys playing for their clubs, then yeah, they, they possibly would be big misses, but maybe not so much for Scotland with what Clark's trying to do. I don't know. Oh sorry Darren, I was just gonna say I think Christie was the one who was really on form for Scotland going into those games. But I suppose Armstrong and Tier like Tierney I would like to see play and start probably, but he hasn't really been used and Armstrong's usually a bit of a an impact sub. So I suppose they were able to cover it for that quite well. I think just in terms of uh <laughs> <laughs> slumped in it. Uh for like Creating chances, uh, you would look obviously to Armstrong and, and Christie there, um, because that's the kind of players that, that they are. Um, so I'd drop back, take the ball, and then uh, look to move forward. And obviously, we, you know, we did kind of miss that against Israel, um, but you know, we obviously did enough in the end. But just from from that point of view, uh, you know, obviously having them in the team would have benefited us. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely agree with with Christie. Um, and the other two as well, but it's it's there's not we don't really have another player who does exactly what Christie does. Um, and yeah, as you were saying, Sam, a lot of these players don't necessarily perform as well for Scotland as they do for their clubs. But Christie has been one guy who's yeah, he has. Yeah, he's, he's looked positive for Scotland. I think that's it's the, so often you find yourself watching Scotland and it's players. They're not, no one's willing to take the ball forward, no one's willing to drive with it. Almost as though certain players don't maybe want to take responsibility, but Christie, I don't think you can ever um, accuse Christie of that. He always looks like he wants the ball um, and wants to take it forward. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. And, well, another small point, but he's, he's our penalty taker, isn't he? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you, you would have probably had him in the, certainly in the five. Not sure at what point in the order, but sometimes these games are decided, like the the last game we played against Israel by a set piece or a penalty. So, um, given the inexperience we had of guys taking penalties, then that would have made a difference there. Um, the one thing that's come up a lot is 
the debate about Andy Robertson. Um, what do you all think about him playing for Scotland? Not should they be playing, but why he doesn't? Why it's so I, different? Uh, I actually a systematic his, thing, or I thought his best, one of his best games, if not his best game for Scotland, was actually against Slovakia. I thought he actually put in numerous good deliveries, not just. Or launch them aimlessly. I thought we've got a few good balls in. Dykes can attack them, but you don't really have anyone else in there to attack them. And if we're going to play the five, I mean, Tierney's playing left centre half for Arsenal in a five anyway. So I would just play them both. There. Mm-hmm. I don't see how you could never not play them. We don't have enough world class footballers to just not play one of our maybe two. Yeah, I guess that's maybe the thing as well, is that he's. Obviously, Liverpool is uh, blessed with the, the other talent around about him, and often it's really not the case for Scotland. But um, I, I would agree from from what I saw of the Slovakia game, he did um, sort of step into that that captain's role and uh, sort of dictated a lot of the play going forward as well, which was good to see. Well, he never looks like someone who again, he doesn't look like he's shirking his responsibilities. I think he's not always performed necessarily that well for Scotland, especially recently. I think I agree with he was he was decent on Sunday night. Um, but especially now with there being no fans, you hear him, you know, he talks, he's one of the loudest players on the pitch. Um, I don't think he's... Cause I, it's a strange thing with a Scotland team. I think it's because they are so young, um, very few of the players have actually played that often for Scotland so it's you don't really have a leader maybe someone playing in, in the centre of the park or at the back it, just to kind of take the flack off players if you had someone like like Scott Brown or even or, if Cooper had played yeah, well, sort of five times yeah. or whatever for Scotland I wouldn't like if he was up to like 15 yeah wait he's captain Leeds has played about 300 games for Leeds or something like that like I'd be fine if he was captain if he played more than like yeah. a handful of times no, just I think for Robertson, I agree that with the best way he says that Tierney and Robertson should always play, whether that's five at the back with Tierney centre back or Tierney right back, because he's still our, our best right back, I would say, ahead of the, the other options, like O'Donnell and Palmer. I would probably, there's no point doing it now, but I, I would have maybe taken the captaincy away from Robertson just to give him, to remove that focus and just allow him to, to concentrate on his football. Obviously, you're not going to do it before uh, the game next month. But I did I agree that I thought Fraser helps a lot when it came to Robertson's performance on Sunday because Fraser just takes up slightly different positions and he just he was able to link up with both of the wing-backs because you saw, again, O'Donnell get forward a bit as well. And I think that's... you just got to make sure that the, the formation you play actually complements the abilities of your best players. Rather than, I think what we've seen in some of the previous games is play five in the back and players get, get in the ball just looking a bit lost, Robertson included. So just hopefully having Dykes as the target and if it's to be Christie or, or Fraser playing up with Dykes, just that that actually can benefit Robertson because he's, he's formed for Scotland, hasn't been great at all. He was, yeah, he was good. his overlaps were good, I thought, as well, Robertson, um, and just even bringing other players into it. Did anyone notice what they were calling Ryan Fraser actually? Nickname? No. 
just kept calling him Risey, which is <laughs> dreadful. I heard, I heard it at first and I thought, nah, where did he hear that again? Double check, but yeah, you could hear Robertson saying it, Risey. <laughs> I don't know if that's something... Yeah, Improve on that, if that's, yeah. We can change everything for next month, just get that nickname. That's, that's the one thing. I, I think that the pressure being off to an extent after the Israel game probably helped. I agree that we were better against Slovakia and obviously going into the Czech game and then well that'll be our last game, won't it, before the the Serbia playoff on the twelfth of November. Um what if if there's anything you would change squad wise or otherwise we've kinda touched on parts of that with uh, guys who've, who've impressed but is there anything else that you would do or bring in any other any other players there's been chat about Griffiths and uh, even I think having Griffiths in the squad would be good not necessarily to start but as an option if we did go a goal down it would be nice to bring on a guy that you know can score as opposed to a guy with McBurney who's now had what 10 to 12 13 caps or something like that yeah and the thing with McBurney would be if he's coming off the bench like so if you've if you've been trying it with Dykes and that's not worked, and yeah, you, I think we've already seen McBurney and Dykes don't play to, like they, they don't really function well together, which is not a surprise. And if you were to replace Dykes and McBurney, I don't really see what that would give you. If you had Griffiths coming off the bench, I think this is a good target for him to have. That's you're thinking it'll be a month ahead. You know, it's hard to predict what's happening. Um, or it's hard to know what's happening with Griffiths, but when he plays, like, because even when he came in, came back in the Celtic team at the start of start of the calendar year, he scored goals and he played well with Edward, and even just recently scoring the winner for Celtic with um, scoring against St Johnston. So he's when he plays, he's still he's still able to make a difference. I would, yeah, I would definitely like to see him. Even just just I think knowing he was in the bench would would give you a lift going into it. I think. Yeah, and he's got that ability from set pieces as well, which, as Sam's already said, that can change games at this level completely. So, I think the the goal he got against the Johnson that that's quite important because it showed he didn't he wasn't sharp at all when he came on in that game. He didn't really look as if he uh, could could sprint properly, but he he came up with a, a big goal at the end, and I think he could probably play that role up a, a, alongside Dykes, but yeah, just not enough time within the next month to, to really earn these, these placements. And I think, based on how he played um, on Sunday, I think Fraser would be... Has it, oh. I'd earned the start now, I think. I mean, again, he's get He's not the sharpest because it's been a while since he played, but or he's only just getting back to fitness, but he looked really good um, on Sunday, so I think yeah. he's... I think the back four will stay... Or the back five, sorry, will stay almost the same. The only thing I could see is... Uh, Tierney coming in at the left mm-hmm. yeah. of, the, of the three because I think he'll keep McTominay there and I think he'll keep Gallagher uh, I thought it's been good I think Gallagher's probably yeah um, and I think he'll keep O'Donnell at right wing back not a huge fan of that but I think he will <laughs> so yeah I think he will how, how bad is your hatred for I thought he was better again against Slack. I thought he was better. I thought initially I don't remember him passing to anyone. At least didn't remember passing the ball forwards once. It was. I mean, I I don't. I'm not as uh, big a critic of O'Donnell, but <laughs> the worry. I'm not sure anyone is, but the it was worrying though when uh, he was in the first half of the Israel game and 
tell Hamid we just, just go by to go yeah. by O'Donnell regularly and you're like this guy's a centre half or like a right yeah. back for a like he's playing left wing and absolutely <laughs> destroying yeah, him yeah. rinsing him so that wasn't that was a concern but yeah it was good to see him get the it was a, it was a good cross well, it was a good cross it's a nice ball and the good thing for O'Donnell is at least now Motherwell as much as Motherwell haven't been doing well um, are playing five at the back too so he's getting to play that wing back role with them which that'll help and it's good that Gallagher plays in the back three but yeah I think the thing with, is with O'Donnell against probably the Israel game in the, the Nations League the 3-2 game at Hamden um, before was one of O'Donnell's better games for Scotland because he was able to he got forward quite a lot but defensively and positionally he's got a lot to a lot to work on but yeah I'd, I'd probably say the same the, the Fraser situation will be interesting because I suppose if you play Fraser behind or with Dykes then you're probably saying that Christie's going to be in a midfield three with McGinn and McGregor which I wouldn't mind it would be quite positive no, I'd, be, I'd be quite happy to have McGregor playing the role that Ryan Jack has been playing in because I think he can do all that Jack does and is a better footballer yeah that's definitely fair. and McGinn can win the tackles too like you want to make sure McGinn's able to get in the box but McGinn's obviously an extremely good ball winner and is going to give you we're going to be able to track runs and things like that so McGinn plays and that's our, an actual hate role for Villa as well like he because he obviously have Grealish ahead so mm-hmm. but yeah, that's a point yeah the boy for Villa what's his name <laughs> he's so happy to get off ball McGinn as well I think that's was great his, yeah, his use of his body is incredible he's, he's, I think McGinn I mean what was that his 25th cap on Sunday, I think he'll be a player that definitely gets, well, hopefully gets 100 caps for Scotland and could be one of the best Scotland players because he yeah. looks as if he's just, he's, he keeps getting, he keeps regressing and keeps getting better. So, because yeah. I think the other thing is, I think the 3 5 2 is obviously here to stay, which is fair enough. Um, and I think Serbia played three in the back as well. So okay. I suppose he'll, he'll definitely want to have that to match up. The thing about uh, Ryan Jack. Quickly on the BBC website, he was uh, named named man of the match by yeah. people rating. So he was the highest rated at seven point five. For the, the game on Sunday night. For the game against Israel. Oh, the Israel game. Uh, right. And then <laughs> the next best was McBurney on four point nine. There you go. Yeah. Correlating for what ideas there. So that's some sort of like bot. <laughs> Yeah, the Ryan Jackpot. Jackpot. Just Aberdeen fans wishing them well. Looking, I guess, ahead to Serbia, then it's by far going to be the toughest test in a good while. Can we? Can we actually beat them? I mean, you look at their looking at their squad and team. Obviously, they they might be affected as we would with COVID and things. You never know how many guys each team might lose. But is it possible that we can beat them? I, yeah, I think so. I'm really... I think it's a difficult... It's, I think especially if you look at... Um, so Northern Ireland, for example, have got to play Slovakia, which I think, you know, I think that would have been a great uh, tie for Scotland. Either way, if we had to play Slovakia or Northern Ireland, I think it's always in Serbia's tougher, but Serbia are not playing particularly well at the moment. Um, obviously, they beat Norway, but they've lost to Hungary. Um, they've lost to 
to Russia, Drew with Turkey. You know, they're not they're not playing. They're not a, they're not a great team. I don't think. Well, I'm not. I can't claim to know think, that much about them. But I think stylistically as well, if I would have taken Serbia. I know I was going to say beat Norway, but over Norway, in the sense of Norway, I think played a sort of more free flowing attacking style of football. And I don't. I somehow, even though we've barely conceded recently, I wouldn't have seen us keeping out. Alan. Yeah, at all. it's funny that because yeah. there was there was so much discussion about oh, what do you think Haaland's going to do to this Scotland defence? But actually, in the end, we we won't know because we're maybe yeah. we've maybe got away with that as you say. Uh, but so that that was a that was a good win for Serbia to beat Norway. Um, and but yeah, I do. I think we've if we can get all those guys in the team. And hopefully play them in sensible positions. Then we could we could easily do it, and it would be an incredible result, really. I think. That'd be phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's the important. As you say, Sam, like if if the right players are in, and if the players feel comfortable in the in the system, then that will make such a difference. And Ser- yeah, there's a reason why Serbia are in this playoff. I don't know if you've seen the goal they conceded against Hungary but if you've not look it up because it's an absolute joke it's <laughs> just players sliding in like two two or three Serbia players in a row just touching the ball knocking it back um, I think it was their their second string team but it still just gives you a bit a bit of hope that they could maybe make a couple of mistakes against against Scotland um, but yeah definitely they're not they've they got loads of talented players who don't all seem to be in their like they don't seem to play all their their best players you might say but it's not, not an unbeatable opponent by any means. I think that's I think one thing for us. It's just that, as you were saying, Sam, is that despite getting all these all these doubts back, I think it's important because we, I think we have been guilty of it in some recent games, is that we don't need to shoehorn all, the, all these guys into the team. We have to, like, we've got a system now and we have to fit guys in like, that will suit the system. Like, we've been guilty in the past of playing five central midfielders spread across the park. Uh, it's just like I wouldn't I wouldn't commit to like if, if it means even if it's a Christie or an Armstrong it means they don't play or they don't start then that's I would say that's fine I'd say it's more important we play to the system that we think is going to work than we shoehorn everyone in yeah and I think sometimes you've got to unless players are performing badly I think you've really got to try and stick with a settled team as much as possible so I think if you look at someone like O'Donnell he's been playing I mean I thought I thought Palmer was good um in the, the game away to the Czech Republic. Yes, it did. But I just think continuity can matter quite a lot, and it's the same again. You know, if, if Scott McKenna was to be fit in time for the um, for the Serbia game, you I would still have Gallagher in because again, you just I think it matters a lot players playing with each other, especially especially in defence and getting get to know each other. Um, yeah, it's confidence as well, really. And you've got those couple of results now. And- in a position that Scotland are rarely in, so to get to this point, I think is uh, is a really good achievement, and you know that you know keeping that sort of team bond together, and um, you know hopefully that that could stand us in, in good stead. Yeah, because we never. I mean, that was the thing when you saw the players celebrating after the shootout. I just I was thinking, how many times have we actually seen a moment like that? <laughs> With Scotland, Scotland I mean, just, celebrating, yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. Kinda, yeah, like it was, it was, 
it was in a strange situation. Obviously, there have been no fans there, but in that moment, it didn't look like that. You know, it just looked like, and you weren't thinking about the fact that this was. This is we're only here because we didn't make it through the the regular qualifiers and so on. It's a, it's a sort of second chance, but yeah, it was brilliant. And I think that could also give them a massive lift. Just the fact that they've come through that together, they could easily. Have, I mean, in a way, they blew it because you weren't able to beat Israel, and then it ended up going the shootout which is a bit of a lottery but they came through that and I think yeah I think it, that'll be great for, for team spirit so just to kind of well I guess kind of finish up on the Scotland points um, how how many of you hate Ollie McBurney purely on his accent <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the only reason to hate him not because he can't finish barely make a pass Wears his socks low and an insult for Jesco Totti. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never, never heard the guy speak. I think I've only heard the fans of Scotland. I think I've heard the Scotland. Yeah, that's the poorest sentence I've ever heard. Yeah, how many fans know. are really tuning in to his accent? Yeah, see, see when the, the TV coverage cuts away after the celebrations to that drab, soaking wet platform at Hamden. It's such a, a kind of. Not that I'm expecting huge celebrations, but it's such an anti-climax type uh, setup that they had, and just that that McBurney comment was crazy. But uh, you you don't want to get too carried away. But fingers crossed, we can maybe get a maybe get a warm studio for the coverage of the <laughs> the Serbia game. Um, maybe we can all watch it at the pub or something. That that would be nice. You see, at least watch it through the window. If we're in Serbia, maybe we can do that, but not. <laughs> Before we uh, move on to the probably talking about the the old farm game briefly, any names from the two thousand thirteen team? Was that the game Paul Dixon played? No. <laughs> I think that was uh, the home game. Is it Gordon in goals? It's not. No. I've put I've put Marshall in goals. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then Wecker. He was there, yeah. Grant Hanley. Also correct. Star-studded lineup. Alan Hutton. Hutton, Hutton, yes. Scott Brown. Scott Brown, no. Darren Fletcher. No. Bye, bye. Who was that after? Barry Bannon. Barry Bannon was on the bench actually. I'll take I'll take two more names. Stephen Naismith. Correct. James Morrison. <laughs> no. I'm not Jesus. Who was playing Sarah? <laughs> um, I put I put Snodgrass there. No. Mm, right. We'll, we'll okay. come back. Come back. Interesting. What yeah. was the was that? Did we lose three 0 uh, we lost 2 now, I think. 2 now? Oh, sorry, I'm doing them at this time. Uh, let me just check. Yeah, 2 now. Strachan was the manager. Two goals from Philip Juricic. It was, not, it was pouring. It was a, a, a mud bath yeah. in that game. It's uh, pretty horrendous. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to it then after we. But you've got 5, five of the starting 11 there. So. 5, okay. Just sorry, one more thing was so that was March twenty thirteen. Yes. So was that the midweek after the the Wales game? 
That's right, yeah. Possibly, yeah. That, 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 that kind of puts things in. That sounds that right. That was bleak. That's the bleakest. That is the bleakest. There are some, some probably interesting names in there, but none that are too ridiculous, I would say. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway, mo- so moving on to the the second biggest game of the week. Obviously, the, the, the first biggest game is Queen's playing tonight. But... Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll get to that. We'll leave that till last. The second biggest game of the week, old firm game, uh, on Saturday, isn't it? Uh, huge, huge COVID related news uh, with all these Celtic players going down. Uh, probably would you say Edward the highest profile, but is he going to play if he's rumours about flying back in on Friday or whatever it is? Would you play him? And is he going to play? I think it depends on how how fit he is, because you know, with with this virus, obviously it's a has different impacts on different people. It just sort of depends. I don't I don't think you know if if he was available, I don't think he would start anyway. Um, but you know, could could be called upon um, if if needed during the game, perhaps. I think assuming that he's and from. From what I heard, he, you know, he, he's not been showing any symptoms of it. I think, assuming he's fine and that doesn't change, I, there's no way, if he's back in Glasgow, I don't think there's any way they won't put him on the bench. I just yeah, don't think yeah. they would get, I don't think they would, de- they would deny him, like, I don't think Lennon would deny them that option. Um, I don't know. Is a Yeti fit? I think he's uh, game time as well. Right, he should be, should be fit. That's the question. I mean, it might might be hard also to work out how fit Edward is. Are they going to fly someone out to France to sort of <laughs> check check with the fitness run on a treadmill or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to know. You might just kind of. There was talk that it'd be coming in Friday night, and then you're playing Saturday lunchtime. I don't know. Yeah. Does this make Rangers favourites for the game? Rangers have been favourites for the last five years. Oh, it's been <laughs> yeah. Actually, favourites for once. I would, I would say it's about fifty-fifty, really. To be honest, I think I still, I'm still not sure. I would put, put Rangers' favourites, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think you can just. I know they've got a couple of wins recently, but the record overall, I think, I think if Edwards there, it's it's hard to say. Do you, do you start him? But there's been this talk about his recent form, but. What he, what he brings and what he can do and certainly against strangers, I would be tempted almost to start him and see how it goes as opposed to having to bring him on when you're possibly needing him to do uh, something. But I, I don't I, I actually don't see them doing that. Uh, you have got the question about who's who's going to be available. He's he's played Christie up there, but Christie I think is definitely going to be out, isn't he? So Yeah, Christie's out. You're looking at Clamala or uh, Ajeti that, that we've mentioned. So it's... I think that if you play Edward up front, because I think the one thing you'd say Rangers in the previous, the recent games against Celtic, once from um, about 10 months ago, were the better team. Obviously, they won at Parkhead and they dominated the, the League Cup final. But one thing you maybe level against Rangers is, is psychologically, they might not be the strongest team. So I suppose if you play, if you had Edward starting, it might 
unsettle Rangers a bit more, even if he wasn't 100% sharp. So I think I could see Lennon be quite tempted to do that. His record against him is really good. That's the thing. It's just yeah. And you've all, you've also got the the Griffiths factor as well. Um, mm-hmm. Is he anywhere near starting? Is is he your? Does he start if Edward doesn't? Is he at? No. Is he is he not ready for that? Do you think? Nah, not not for me. Um, I just don't think he's he's quite there yet, or or he's merited it really. Um, but Donnan, if you were saying so, if Edward's not potentially potentially not fit to play, if a Yeti game time potentially not fit to play, who? Could you see Clamalla starting up front? <laughs> I know, I, I take your point. I just, uh, it's going to be difficult to to pick. I mean, it just, it really depends on how, how fit a Yeti is, because if he's in any way sat back in full training this week, then I think he will start. Um, but I don't, I, I just, I don't think he would start Clamalla, really. Um, I don't. And if he's, no, I can't see it. And if he's Keenan playing two up front, then I reckon probably Elianus will start up front or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and then, of course you've got the, the possible impact of more COVID cases or whatever with all the players returning back after these last games. So what? Yeah. The, Wednesday night. Wednesday night is the last games. So you've got guys possibly not being back till. Friday training maybe so. Uh, you've got in one a way, game. it seems almost unlikely that there won't be someone else to bonus. You know, what I mean, it just yeah. the, the number there be as there haven't been so many, but there definitely seems a really good chance that there'll be at least one more player. Well, how many does Celtic have? Beaton, El Hamid, Christie, Edward, Forrest. Or is Forrest just injured anyway? Forrest is just injured. Yeah, so he's. I think he's going to be out for another six weeks or something. Um, but yeah, the, the others you mentioned there are all, all COVID. COVID and out. Has, yeah, it's, it's quite a lot. Yeah, and what, what's the status with Is it Julian? Is he fit? Is just, was he injured but is now back in the, the fold? Yeah, he's, he's been injured the last few weeks, but he's back in full yeah. now. So I think if Lennon was going to go back three, I think he would you know, sort of comfortably slot in there, I guess, with uh, with Duffy and I. But the problem with that is then if, if, you know, something happens to one of them, then you're a bit screwed for going back, going to a back three, you'd probably need to mix it up. Yeah. But I think it'd be interesting though, to see uh, the guy Laxal, if he'll, if he'll start. Yeah, uh, I had a Greg Taylor. Well, that's another point I would written down. I, I think if he's if he is ready, then he'll he'll go in, he'll play. Um, yeah, I, I actually couldn't I couldn't believe but, he was in the the World Cup team of the year or team of the tournament. Really, twenty eighteen. Yeah, in Russia. Didn't know that. I mean, you you look at the the threats. Probably you're talking about Rangers' biggest threats being. The fullbacks. Uh, there's question marks about Barisic. Is that right? I don't know if he's been playing for Croatia or left the squad or whatever. Uh, so he, he's I think the he's big injured as well, yeah. Right, he's the big one on the left because they the they play with their sort of 
three strikers, as you would say, but they all play quite narrow inside. So it's really uh, Tavernier and Barisic that are your your threats from wide. So playing up against trying to trying to counter that, then it's a a big job for Taylor, and he's he's pretty solid. But I just think what this this guy lacks out is done in the higher pedigree. I think he'll go straight in. I also yeah. wonder, I mean, it's quite often the case with loan deals that there's an agreement basically that they will play. Um, you know, the, the, the parent club would have stipulated that they have to play basically when they're available or they have to play a certain number of games. So, yeah, I think if he's if he's match fit, I think he'll, I think he'll probably go straight in. Yeah. But again, I quite like Dracula. It's not as if you're putting in a player who lacks experience. He's got a good pedigree and he's He's played in big games before. I see Barisic is meant to be fit for Croatia playing France in this midweek, and apparently Barisic is going to play in that, so it looks as if he will be fit for Saturday. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that'll make a huge difference because he's one of the best, been one of the best performers in the league. So it's yeah. I would say I would say Rangers are probably have a slight edge, but I've seen I probably I've seen enough the Rangers like in the Hibs game, for example, where. They showed a couple of frailties that even without their best players, I think Celtic can still be fairly optimistic. Yeah, it depends. I mean, I think it depends how how much Celtic are able to neutralise Kent and well, who's going to play up front? It would be Morelos probably. I s- think so. I would. Yeah, I would I assume, regard regardless of the the record against Celtic, I think it. He would. He would put him I mean, in. He's, he's always a he's always a danger, regardless yes. of his record. He is I mean, yeah, I, I don't ever they would ever so. be position to play him on his record. But it is interesting that someone who's been as good as that, and he's he's not just someone who who's been great in Scotland, and then when he's played against Celtic or played in Europe, has struggled. I mean, his record in Europe is is brilliant against good sides, against ordinary sides. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's yeah, it is it's, it's really quite interesting. He's not managed. Against so far. And he's never been anonymous in the games against Celtic either. If anything, he's been excellent against guys like Ayer or Julian, and then just missed the chances that he's he's managed to create for himself. If you look at the amount of chances he's managed to um, have in the games against Celtic, it's quite incredible. He's never scored. But will it suit Morelos when there's no crowd? <laughs> he can't. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, a that's throat slitting gesture just to the side. <laughs> I mean I suppose it's still the, the TV camera so as long as you can identify where they are yeah. yeah I mean if if the auction's there they, they watch that game without, without crowd noise I'm all over that <laughs> I know and Kent I mean Kent started the season really well possibly still is uh, their their biggest threat I would say um, so you've got a you've got a job for will it be Frimpong on that side if Kent's playing the left? Um, yeah, it's yeah. to be yeah. So yeah, it's some good matchups. Then obviously, I mean Celtic have got a lot of talent midfield and going forward, but it's just a debate about who's playing up front. So we can I think they'll both show up, highlight each other's weakness, and it's just it'll be it'll be possibly cagey, but I like to think there'll be a, a few goals. Well, the thing is, it's comfortably the best um, Rangers team we've seen for the best part of a decade, really. So, I mean, it's... And they have... 
mean, last season, they, they, they have played against Celtic as well. They've not been able to match them over the course of the season, but they're, when they've played them, they've, that's been some of the best performances. I'd, yeah. Well, I think yeah. it's the last, the last six Celtic Rangers games have just it's been Rangers win, Celtic win, and it's alternated. So it, those games have been, been very close. I wonder well, if... I never see what I was going to say. Ah, well, be predicting a Rangers win. No, look at that sneak peek ahead to the... As bottom place in Superbrew, I don't, I don't know if this has any value, <laughs> but I have... I think that the Rangers 2-1 at the Parkhead was the last game I got I got correctly uh, in last <laughs> season. I've said, I've said 2-1 Celtic. 2-1 uh, Celtic. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's a curse for any Celtic fans. <laughs> yeah, Bob is your birthday guy that can't predict Rangers to win. <laughs> so lose a weekly and all those points. A terrible record, really. Um, so what? Let, let's go for some quick predictions before briefly touching on the the European draw because I don't think we've recorded since that happened but uh, what what are your predictions then for the let's go for the Scotland playoff game as well included in this and the, the old farm game uh, I'll match my prediction for the Scotland game and say exactly the same as what I predicted last time for the no no Scotland through on penalties and <laughs> uh, I'll say two one Rangers against Celtic. I'm going to say. Well, I'm going to jump ahead of Michael there, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to say one each um, on Saturday. And for the Scotland game, I, I don't know. Let's let's be optimistic and say Scotland to win one 0 I'll say. 2-1 Celtic, and why not? 2-0 Scott. <laughs> late, late breakaway goal from Ollie McBurney. Turn, turns oh, to shush, shush an empty stadium. Do it. Shush makes ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's coming from the wooden yeah. spoon king from the great. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, reluctantly go 2-1 Celtic, and... Because you don't want that to happen, or what? I'm like, because I just I don't like predicting these games. But well, we uh, have to. <laughs> but I've been forced in it, so. Uh, in the Scotland semi game, I'll go. I'll go one each. Scotland to win an extra time. I I think uh, one. I think one nil Scotland. Goal scored in. Just in the ninety, and I think Celtic two one. Oh. So three two one Celtics. Yeah. That makes me delighted about my two one Rangers prediction. So the just quickly the Europa League draws. What do you think the chances of both teams going through are? I think fairly high to be honest. I'd agree. Definitely second. I think both will probably be looking at second place as their target with first the bonus. But I would say there's nothing. Probably Rangers will be happier with their group than Celtic. Just looking at the opponents. But I would say that it's based on how the Celtic did last year in the Europa League. I think they'll be quite confident. Don't think Lazio will 
I don't think Milan will be any better than, than Lazio were last season. Um, and then for Rangers, don't, don't really know much about Benfica this, uh, what they're like this season, but I think Rangers will be pretty confident finishing second at least. They've just been so good in Europe, Rangers. To be honest, I mean, like even I mean, it's it's not as though they've beaten anyone. I mean, I think you know last season they came up against a team that were better than them, Leverkusen. They, they you know they lost out, but they've just been they've been really quite impressive. I think against uh, Willem Tway, against um, Galatasaray, you know, those are those are quite difficult ties. Um, you could have expected them to come through both of them to be honest it wasn't it's not really a surprise anymore I think the thing I thought when I saw the Celtic draw was just how you know from a fan's point of view how much of a shame it is it's just I, mean, I suppose it's the same with Rangers as well these are just great great trips great places to go um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's the same with when fans I mean it's because it's, it's something I like as well when, when Celtic or Rangers are at home in Europe you may be going to town and there's loads of opposition fans there it's just yeah it's hard it's, it's hard not to think about really when, when it's something like that yeah I, I think that's I think that's going to affect that a lot because um, I mean you, you can imagine that going to San Siro is always going to be tricky but maybe not as much as much now but then at the same time on the flip side Celtic are, are going to lose that home advantage that they kind of famous for I guess um, yeah and Rangers have have got a lot of, a lot of good results recently but yeah I think that they can both both get through uh, Celtic's group's definitely a bit trickier but then you know they, they'll both get through and then what they'll draw each other in the quarter final that's that the, the ultimate tie that is the dream especially if it could fall somehow between like well, there's a chance it would fall between a cup semi and a league game. I think as well the way it worked, at least that's how it was last year, when it could have happened. And you could have four games in two weeks. Well, we've discussed that a few times. Just the it is society would would uh, at the risk of sounding like Hugh Evans launching into hyperbole, but society would crumble for at least oh. for the, at least for the duration of the tie and potentially never to. Never to be rebuilt afterwards, but <laughs> uh, yeah, fingers, fingers crossed. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> it is hyperbole, though. We know that it would be called. It would be called the, hy- the hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's 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 doing the halftime show at the hyperbole? <laughs> <laughs> Grado and Rodgers. Yeah, terrible. It was the biggest tie I think in Europe history. European history, forget it. Just for, for how much it would mean. Bigger than football than history. Middlesbrough making a final. Fulham or Middlesbrough, yeah. Right, more, a few more names missing. Six names, in fact. Okay, so if so Naismith was no central with you. Oh, we've got Darren Fletcher. No, he's not in. Yeah, Fletcher's not in, so we've got no central to centre mids. James MacArthur. Yeah. That's good. Oh, I'm going to say Charlie Adam. Uh, he was on the bench. Did uh, Anya play? No. Oh, I have no doubt Anya as well. Um, Chris Commons? No. Commons. Chris Martin? No. 
Stephen Fletcher up front. Uh, no. Jamie Mackey. <laughs> no. no. Was Kenny Miller playing in Vancouver at the time? I'll still say Kenny Miller. Kenny Miller was on the bench. Oh, my left. This is a, <laughs> a travesty. So I think... J-Russ. Have you said J-Russ? <laughs> J-Russ is not there either. James Forrest. No. You, you, you're missing, so no. you've got... <laughs> you've got the, the captain's not been said yet. Uh, Russell Martin. No, not Russell Martin. No. Uh, you've also got. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give clues yet. But uh, another striker. I'm, I'm not sure. Did Naismith? I'm assuming Naismith played up front then. Possibly, but there's a striker there that's missing. Uh, two midfielders. I'm assuming a left back or a left centre back and a centre back as well. Yeah, I'm not. I'm trying to. It's one of those weird Scotland formations that you can't really make up from the team lineup. Too much. I, I doubt. Phil Bardsley. No. It was also one of those ones that I doubt it was any clearer what the formation was as it was <laughs> yes. in the game. <laughs> <laughs> but we judged as a fake. So. Yeah. Okay, so. Whitaker, didn't yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was. The one. He, he was there. Uh, so the, the the captain was. A, a long time Scotland player scored a couple of big goals centre half Gary Caldwell correct fuck um, off nice uh, one of the no <laughs> winger a winger who's oh in, Sean Maloney correct oh Maloney Wigan Wigan connection coming in there um, any more <laughs> that's how all good international teams are yeah exactly on a failing Wigan team <laughs> Three, three to get. Ah, one the epic up. There you go. Three to get. Uh, if you get one more, then we'll do the, the final couple of subjects. Or if not, we'll just move we on. Have to, we have to unlock the last two subjects. <laughs> if there's no more guesses, we'll just move on to. Uh, the... Must be guesses. Yeah, there'll be guesses. Not good guesses. What are we looking for? A winger. Uh, you're looking for a, a striker. A, a winger, certainly a wide midfielder, I think, and a defender, possibly fullback. But I can check that. Can't be a fullback though. We've got De- and Defen- defensive midfielder. I'm confused by the fact that you don't you don't seem to really know who this guy is. <laughs> no, I do. I absolutely, I absolutely know who this guy is. Uh, he's a defensive midfielder. Two caps. Two caps, that does make it quite, quite trailer. Teams, Nigel Quasi. No, teams, <laughs> oh. teams played for, uh, the main one that you'd probably get it for from is Brighton. Oh, Correct. Oh, you're Brighton. Oh, good oh, shot. Brothers. Brothers. Right. So, <laughs> two, two left, but we'll, we'll get them at the end. Queen's Park, obviously a, a few Queen's fans on. So, well worth talking a bit about that. Um, an injection of cash. Are we going to see Queens as Premiership champions in a few years? 
I'd like to see a score a goal slash attack first in a game. <laughs> big big expectations are they? Would you say they're living up to them? I mean, I've only watched one friendly, and that Fitzroy game, we didn't like good it either. But super early days, we also only have a squad of about fifteen people at the moment. It's really exciting going to it. Obviously, again, just to sort of bring things down, but it, it, it's so um, oh, sad, I suppose, the fact that we're getting a season comfortable with the best Queen's yeah. team. On paper, then, that we've seen the signing players who not that long ago were standing out in the top flight, like Simon Murray, and we're just not really sure if we're going to be able to see them. But, or I suppose, if the season, how, how viable the season is. Um, over the course, but yeah, I think I mean it's a team built to win the league. I mean, I don't. I think it's they will win the league. High, but it's we will, they need, we they will need, win the league. There's never been a team. I, I think I'm, I know we were talking about this a while back, but I think if you compare it to the Rangers team from their first season in the third division, yeah. I think it compares really, really well. I think we've had teams like Gretna um, who've run away with it in the past as well. I think it's, it's stronger. It's like. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Probably because they're paying big wages as well. Yeah, and we've invested. No one's older than like twenty eight that we've signed. Mm-hmm. We're investing guys for like a couple of years to try and build a team that will get up to the championship. I think really is the goal in like three years. So it's exciting, that... super exciting. God, we can't go to Morton tonight to get a huge snake chance. No way we can. Yeah, it definitely. No, it's a it's an exciting squad. I mean, the the Thistle game was the the first in the the League Cup group. Do you think? Are you just expecting the League Cup group to just be a warm up for the the season, being the the league being the main event, or are you even looking to do any any damage in that? I mean, what what is the format? Is it two teams that go through there? Uh, yeah, two teams so I think we go through, but it's, 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 it's a tough ask that, but... It's more just the, I think our League Cup group is, it seems like most teams have played five friendlies, but we've only played two because we had two uh-huh. called off. Yeah. So I think for, for us it's mostly about getting fit in pre-season against good teams, but at the same time against us, we were good in the first half and then second half, it looked like we were a team that had played three or four less games at this stage of the season. Yeah, and I think you'd like to see an improvement um, tonight. I think I, 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 I'm not really so bothered about the results in this. Um, I think if the, if the circumstances were slightly different, we'd potentially be, able to be looking at that group and thinking, you know, we've got a really good team. You know, we signed uh, Bob McHugh from Morton. Um, you know, these are players who are we're, we're, com- we're competing in the same market as. As championship teams, I think we're signing players who they would have been happy to sign or from them. So it's, but yeah, as, as David was saying, we're just at a different stage in pre-season from these teams. So I guess it showed on Saturday. Although I think Thistle looked like a, looked like a pretty good team. I think that's I think Thistle will be right up there for League One as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean they've, they've recruited pretty well. Like Jen Blair's still back. Nice up. That's the for them. Yeah, and I think I think Zach Rudden is a really like a really good sign as well. I think because I thought 
them bringing in Kudraisa and loan from, from Levy made a lot of sense, but I'm not sure if he'll necessarily... I mean, I, I think he'll eventually work his way into the team, but he's got Rudden and obviously uh, Brian Graham standing in the moment. He's not going to be not going to be the issue. Future Scotland international, Ryan Dress. Physically. He's on the left. Yeah, he can't be shifted in any, in any, in any way. And yeah, I think that I, I watched the highlights of the Thistle Queen's game and it seemed like Queen's maybe fate got a bit jaded as it went on, which would make sense being one of the, well, the first competitive game and one of only a few games. But they had a fairly bright start, judging from what I saw. But I think it's going to be. Looking at the odds, Queen's five to two on to win the League Two title is is a just totally different scenario from anything Queens have, have ever had really. Going into yeah. a new season, just completely novel. Yeah, I mean the the, the thing is that uh, with that kind of expectations, you see, they've probably not had that expectation. Does that? bring pressure I suppose with it that they've also maybe not had in the past the, the expectation to win and probably win comfortably as you've said maybe yeah. but these are all full time guys it's not really Queen's guys doing that yeah good point yeah it's only like two or three guys who were there before and it's not like it's just like the same Queen's eleven from last year that's been asked to now win the league so it's full time footballers yeah it's experienced players um I think suppose it's, it's, there's a lot of pressure on, on Ray McKinnon um, because he has he has to go and win the league. Yeah, yeah I think I think the most, the most pressure is on McKinnon, not the players. Um, yeah. Obviously, it was a bit different with with United, but this, yeah. is, this is his chance. This is his, maybe his last chance in management, at least in Scotland. Well, that's the thing. We've seen that a couple of times with Queens. I mean, like when when Gus McPherson took the Queen's job and obviously was taking over the worst team in the country we that's him totally finishing the game if he didn't succeed at Queen's uh, going back further it was the case with Billy Stark as well you know he'd managed St Johnston but he hadn't really he hadn't done particularly well there when he came to Queen's and he's obviously he's ended up moving into international management coaching the youth side but yeah the stage McKinnon's at if he fails with Queen's as you know Gardner Spears after failing the Queen's, wasn't he able to get another job? You know, he was working as he was assistant coach at East Kilbride. He's ended up he was back at Queen's scouting. You know, so it's, it's a risk in some ways, but it's um, yeah, I I I am confident. I just think the team are too good. Uh, as surreal as that is to say that going into a season that we'll just get the players we've got are too good. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice, it's a welcome change. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah. And just one other thing. I've just there's been. You have heard some people say that they're worried or they don't think it's going to be such a positive thing to, have, to be bringing in all these experienced players and the impact it could have on the on the youth team, especially because Queens are known for bringing through you know, good young players. But in truth, we haven't really been bringing through a lot of quality in recent seasons. And I think especially since they brought in relegation, we're having to find experienced guys anyway. So in the past, that would have been experienced guys from the juniors or from amateur football to try and build a team that was good enough to stay up. Now it's bringing in experienced guys from the championship who are good enough to go and win it. So I, 
It's, and it's more the thing that the good young guys we are bringing through, we lose them before they can get to the first well, team. Exactly, yeah. It's like the guy that, I mean, we brought through the boy Regan Thompson, but this, that season we lost four to the SPL before they, they played like a collective of like 60 minutes between yeah. them. Yeah. We just don't get them, so it's more that we just don't lose these guys for nothing. Yeah, exactly. Like that, those four guys would be 100 grand now as opposed to nothing. And possibly we'd at least get these guys, if we're going to be playing in League One, um, or I don't know, also be aiming higher, then we'd be at least get these guys for a couple of seasons. Because it's happened before with guys like Stephen Saunders or Ryan McGeever, who've left Queens at like, the age of 16. Yeah. Yeah, because you're, you're sort of bringing in these guys with the, the view to be at a higher level in the very near future, I suppose. so. And they will also like the challenge of being able to do that with Queens, I guess. Yeah. So, fingers crossed, but we'll hold you to that prediction. <laughs> Finally, whilst Mal's on to discuss Dundee United's good start and now maybe struggling a bit, but what are your uh, thoughts on the, the season so far and, and going forward now? I think that's that's quite well summed up. It was a it was a promising start, and now we've entered into what may be the start of a, a sticky patch. But I suppose the important thing is we've kind of earned ourselves some bonus points with a couple of big wins, big away wins at the start of the season, beating Motherwell, which was great, beating Ross County away, who will be a, a direct rival probably for relegation. So it's it's hard to say. I, I think based on my expectations at the start of the season, that's it's probably what you would have anticipated there's quite a few players in the squad who aren't I wouldn't really say are of premiership quality but that's mixed in with obviously someone like Shanklin who could easily be one of the best players in the division um, but the last couple of games I mean the, obviously losing at home to Peterhead in the League Cup is a bit of a nightmare I saw the, the club website had it down as a an experimental United team that could beat Bound Reality it was a good, a good chunk of first team players that went out and were just pretty lifeless and, and deservedly get beat. Game before that against Livingston at home, somehow managed to take the lead and then lost 2-1. But in that game, one shot, which was the goal, Nicky Clark free kick, three touches in the opponent's penalty area. <laughs> I, was look, I was looking at the, the, the expected goal stat for, for United for that game was... Point zero seven of our goal was United. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that game and I don't think I even expected them point zero seven to score a goal at any time. Other than the free kick. Well, that and even the free kick, United had committed a clear foul in the build-up. <laughs> <laughs> the ref inexplicably didn't give, and then United got a free kick. Uh, so it was Clark was very well, but should never have been given. So it was definitely it's one of the worst performances you can imagine. So. That's a lot of work, and I think Mellon is commending. He certainly he has been saying the right things, and I think initially his system looked quite good. There looked to be a bit of solidity, and did within the first few games, United were creating a few chances, but they do seem to have earned a bit of a sticky patch where they're not creating a lot at all, but also they're definitely not good enough in a key position like centre back, like Mark Connolly and Mark Reynolds have both made big mistakes in the basically, basically every game there's been a bad <laughs> defensive mistake I get if you see the, the Livingston winner against United you can see it on a Twitter page called 
poor quality Scottish football, which is where, where I just watched it. Where the, the Ryan Edwards, who's a new sign at centre back, tries to clear the ball, totally misses it. Conley gets caught out by the Livy player, and then we managed to, managed to concede. So, well, um, so what I thought about that goal was that it was actually, it was basically your two centre halves combining to set the opposition up. It was rare you would actually see like yeah. a combination, like the link up play. Just, just while I was thinking about it there, uh, just before wrapping up with the final couple of names, if anybody is a fan of the chase, then they should, they should definitely watch on the 23rd of October. That's all I'll say, to see one of the panel. <laughs> on, uh, Thank, thankfully not answering questions about the Scotland line-up against Serbia in 2013. That no, would be a, no. a, a short stint. Yeah. That that would be the, the minus offer equivalent of, <laughs> of this program. Um, right, so two two names left. One is uh, a winger, and the other is definitely a striker. Ross McCormick. No. Have we said Griffiths? Yeah, uh, you've not said them, but it's not the answer. No Griffiths either. Definitely a striker. Definitely, oh, definitely huge. That we discussed this guy a lot. No. As being discussed him already. No, not already. In the past, about being a a hyped up. Jordan Rhodes. Correct. Rhodes. We started Rhodes against. Yeah, but because that was because the Scotland fans were chanting. (laughs) 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 About as low as it gets, really. Yeah, it was a Scotland shame game. Levine would have been exactly the same. Yeah. 
and then, the, and then the, a winger. The last guy, winger, born in England. Um, played made in the Royal Navy. Played <laughs> played uh, two hundred and sixty three games for Peterborough United. Oh, um, oh. is that not Craig And Neil oh, Smith, not George Boyd, but it is George Boyd. Yes. Yeah, it's George Boyd. Boyd. Sorry, oh. I did. Oh. Sorry, TGB. <laughs> he was a I was going to say George. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy that was that was George Boyd. Two, two caps. Two caps Jesus. they got apparently. A lot of two capped players in that team. I know. <laughs> probably says a lot about how that went. Six caps for England C, one cap for Scotland B, and two caps for Scotland. Uh, the, just to round off the rest of the bench, Matt Jilks, Alan McGregor. Uh, and in the match report, it interestingly said that Marshall was picked ahead of Besiktas Alan McGregor. So that would have been around that time. Uh, Berra, Cadis, Webster, Burke, and Dorans are the other substitutes not mentioned. Oh, Cadis is that is wild. That's incredible. Yeah, that's a that's a depressing depressing team. Do you know I feel better about actually? Where we are now, having heard <laughs> that that was the case seven years yeah. ago. Do you know Alex Rain never got capped by Scott? That's quite interesting. No wonder. I didn't. I don't remember him playing, but I'm just like never got capped. Interesting. Yeah, for, yeah, for just a, like a few years too early. A player at a high level. Yeah. Yeah, playing at that level, probably you know the, the team we've just mentioned, he'd probably be be in there. Be, how many yeah. how many positive COVID cases would we need for Alex Ray? Playing Serbia. <laughs> I feel like the new Brian Graham question. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the only way to, for some guys to get a cap. But well, I would say just COVID has brought Brian Graham closer than ever, just potentially, because the potential is there for like. I actually don't know. I think, I think he's, 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 he's dropped further. I think he's dropped further. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's never been bigger potential for there to be a mass, <laughs> like, and unavailability of players. Like just overnight you could have like thirty strikers real down. If it did somehow get to the like the point where Brian Graham was needing to be called up. World never mind world football just come with that in. <laughs> threat threat level five. Yeah. Right. Um, Alright. No but thanks thanks yeah. for coming on and that was good. Uh, thanks to anybody who listens but uh, we will catch you next time we'll possibly get some kind of discussion after the Scotland game but cheers again folks and uh, catch you next time